Hello and welcome to the Chris Kirkwood Podcast. Today's special guest is Fred Armisen. From Saturday Night Live to Portlandia to the current IFC series documentary now, Fred is one of the funniest people working in show business today. Let's begin the conversation. All right, well, it's another episode of the Chris Kirkwood Show, and we have a very special episode today, uh, sponsored by Kelly Cook Dentistry in Phoenix. He was kind enough to uh, pay for some expenses for Chris to come out here. He comes out here from, I've never said this before, but Chris comes out here from Phoenix to join with friends out here. I am Bill Cody, the producer. This is Chris Kirkwood. Say hello. Hello, Bill. Good to see you again. And today we have... uh, And we are recording. We are recording at Winslow Court Studios with Craig Parker Adams. And today's very special guest is Fred Armisen. If you don't know who Fred is, uh, Saturday Night Live, um, just recently did Documentary Now. Uh, He's a musician, he's an actor, uh, he's a writer, and... You also might know him from one of the funniest shows of the last 10 years, Portlandia, and I think one of the freshest shows of the last 10 years. And he's here with us in the studio. Yeah, we couldn't be more happy to have you here, Fred. Thanks. My, my pleasure. So I didn't know this, that you don't live here all the time in Los Angeles. You, mm. you come in from Phoenix. Yeah. Yeah. No, um, I never lived here, you know. Never got out of Phoenix, really. I mean, moved there with uh, mom and my brother when I was, like, five, you know, so... Uh, so Meat Puppets are, are, a, are a Phoenix band through and through. Yeah, yeah. Um, I just want to tell you that I think uh, your band is one of the greatest bands ever. You're an incredible musician. You're all incredible musicians. Um, and your band was a... <laughs> we were big fans of you on Long Island. I grew up on Long Island. And so I don't know if you could picture people who like... Uh, live out, you know, on that side of New York City. Not New York City, but, like, away right. from it. Um, we loved you guys so much, and back then, we would find VHS tapes of you playing live, and we would study them and watch you guys wow. play. You, the, We already loved you guys. We came, we all um, happened upon you around um, Up on the Sun, and so we, we were just like, what is this? What is this, this label? And we were so into it. And then when we saw VHSs of you guys playing live, there was this added thing where you guys played really fast, right? And then yeah. also super got into it. Like yeah. you used to go crazy, and we would, which is the best reaction, is we would laugh so much because like this band is the best. Oh, and then all and all the changes you guys went through um, was uh, really informed uh, the way that I mean I still like the idea in comedy of always changing and reinventing yourself, the, the way you guys turn in, kind of turn into like different bands a little bit. Right. Um, always, always loved it. So uh, well, th- it is my uh, absolute pleasure to be here in uh, your presence. Well, man, that is very, very kind of you. And I'd just like to say that I am a huge, huge fan of your work as well. You know, and it's, it's, and it's really a treat to hear that we, you know, and I'm, glad we could do it you know to play any part in it and it's bitching that you bring that up like seeing tapes of us you know and that you notice like that we play those songs really fast you know yeah. what I mean I mean that's that brings up some interesting points about art in a way and like music and stuff I mean I, I wonder if we kind of you know s- sabotaged ourselves by being a little too into it you know what I mean no way you know? we you if you had played it exactly right 
I don't think you would have made as big of an impact as you did with us. So just using us as a barometer, you have to like uh, offer something new for this, you know, whatever this VHS, this tape. Uh, it's got to be something different. Otherwise, what then? What is it then? Then it's just a visual, uh, you know, replica of your albums. Who who cares about that? But people do kind of care about that though, because you kind of see, you know, don't they? I mean, it seems like it. You see, a lot of bands really faithfully recreate their album stuff, you know? But then it becomes invisible. Then you're just like, the fact that you did that is another, it's a reminder too that you're a punk band. And we were 100% in the punk. So even though Up on the Sun had that sound, you it was a reminder. You're like, we are a punk band. That's, I don't know what you heard on the record, but this is what we are. So that it's like uh, it's like being a superhero and then showing off that you're a superhero. You know what I'm saying? It's like you've got the you have the uh, suit and everything, but then when Superman moves a boulder or something, you're like, oh yeah, that's what that's what the what you're supposed to be doing. <laughs> well, it was definitely that. I mean, I remember real clearly like how suddenly those songs like just lent themselves to really pushing it. You know? Yeah. You know, I, I mean, and it, and it was different kind of a pushing. I mean, we pushed it real hard like say the first album era it, you know those yeah. kind of songs uh but maybe they weren't quite as articulate in a way you know so it was just like the the art had kind of gotten a little more developed or a little more refined or whatever it's a little more complicated you know a little bit better technical facility and for sure it was a blast to really you know just push the hell out of those things and yet we just needed to you know i mean we just had to do that you know and and you know, or poor drummer Derek, you know, Derek <laughs> Postrum. I mean, if it wasn't like enough of a boot up our butt, we'd be like, we'd like scream at him, you know? And it got to the point where I would like, I had a special set ending trick where I was like, I've had enough of this. And it would be the somersault into the drum kit. You know? Oh, that was fantastic. <laughs> what you're describing right now, I'm picturing the way that the, the drum kit moved whenever you were like close to it. And I saw you guys recently and it, the, the way that you guys play now, it's like it, it's, it's you've gone even further. Just watching you play your instruments, it, I just felt like I was ten years old. I was like, that, that this is what making music is about. No, uh, uh, that's kind of you. Definitely, very, very kind of you. And I think, I mean, I have to agree. Like, just at least, I don't take any credit for any of that, other than the fact that you know we do it. But you know, uh, that it, the band has gotten to a it's it's just at an interesting place musically you know to have done in our project for this long you know and to be a fan of the arts you know of music yeah. and everything and it's at an interesting place I mean we suffer from you know the maladies of getting older you know what I mean mm-hmm. it's like I find myself not that into mirrors and stuff anymore <laughs> you know but still as far as like the art itself is concerned it's it's been it's been informed by the amount of time that we've been doing it. You know, and I think there's something that's slightly taken away just because of the physical, uh, you know, changes that happen as you get a little bit older. But definitely, at least artistically, like conceptually, what we're all about. And at points these days, I mean, I don't know. We're like, we remind me of like people that I grew up on in a way. You know, we're as fun as that to me and the noises that we're making. I'm like, you know, pretty into, you know, so it's. Well, you guys, you look great to me. And the other thing is, like, you kind of, you're going to want to look older. I think it's a cool thing. You know, Mike Watt looks great. Bob Mould looks great. These people look their age. And uh, I look forward to it. That's like, like, I loved punk. And then I like seeing 
punks get older. I think it's a cool thing. It's definitely much better than trying to hide it and dyeing your hair and all that stuff. Like, it's nice to, I think it actually, it all of a sudden becomes its own punk thing. It definitely, you know, and I think, like, my brother's really good at it, you know? Yeah. I mean, he's just always been really, really good at being himself. You yeah. Know? Being comfortable with himself and not, it's not about what other people think, you know? Yeah. And, uh, and I don't think it's necessarily about what other people think about me, but I, I find myself self-conscious in, it, in a way that, you know, I don't, he, I don't think he does. Well, we're all human. You know, we all look in the mirror and, like, everyone wants, to, you know, to change whatever. But I think you guys all look great. Oh, well, thank you. Mm-hmm. I mean, we're definitely having fun. And, uh, you know, now we have Kurt's son, Elmo, playing with uh-huh. us, Elmo. And, uh, and that was Kurt's idea. Kurt asked him for a couple of years if he wanted to do it. And... Elmo's got his own stuff going on and kind of, you know, and said no at first, you know, and then decided to do it. And, and it just suddenly has added a whole other element that's really fun at this point, you uh-huh. know, because we've been a three-piece for so long, right? So I did my thing in the way that I did it for so long, but now suddenly there's a rhythm guitar player that I'm relating to, uh-huh. you know, and it's suddenly, it's kind of gone from being like, um, uh, well, just that, a three-piece to now... It smacks to me slightly of like the uh, the TCB band, you know, uh-huh. Elvis's TCB band. Yeah, you know where you got a real powerful drummer. Yeah, you know, and then just a uh, a cool rhythm section. You yeah, know? now there's actually a rhythm section there. You know, and I mean there was before, but it's just you it know, still sounds like the Meat Puppets to me, and it still totally does. Yeah. You know, and that's the that's the magical thing about I don't know it was Kurt's idea, you know, and it's Kurt's kid, so I mean all of yeah. it came out of Kurt in a way, you know. Uh, but that, I mean, it was a good idea to have L do it because oddly enough, I don't know, oddly enough, I mean, he just happened to grow up to be a good guitar player, you know, and yeah. I mean, he's a great musician all the way around, you know, he's a sick bass player. He's a great drummer. He does electronic music on the side, you know, his, his own stuff that's really far out. He did this thing the other day. I think the Daily Beast asked him to do it. Uh-huh. That's like, I think, is it a mashup? Is that what you call it? Like where you take. Kind of it's, it's, it's musical, but it has, it's, it's Donald it's, Trump. It's isn't. Donald Trump uh-huh. quotes, right? But what m- m- melded into um, like his electronic stuff that he uh-huh. does with his friend Brian Boyer out in Phoenix, right? Yeah. So it's this groovy kind of beat, you know, with cool electronicish kind of stuff that he does with like analog. He does like you know synthetic stuff, but then digitally, you know, messes with it. But then tied in like these Donald Trump quotes uh-huh. you know, into it, you know. And they it's, asked, it's him, quite, "Did you hear it?" It's very amusing. It's pretty darn it's, good, uh, you know. Yeah. It, yeah. So to have that element be brought into the band. Plus, I mean, you, you know, I like to get down, you know, I can't help it. Uh-huh. You know? I can't help but get down, you know, like in the way that I do, sort of. And uh, I've suddenly found something that I can turn to on stage. Because, I mean, my brother doesn't like me coming near him. He doesn't want me to come over to that side of the stage. He's not into like... <laughs> Why is know, that? He's not into that, like, let's get down. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> he, 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 he's, yeah. It's not, he doesn't, you know, yeah. he's, he's, uh, he's already getting down, you yeah. know, and he's not that, I think maybe he's not into like... You know, expressions of emotion or uh-huh. that kind of, you know what I mean? And definitely, if I get too close to him on the stage, I can start to feel, uh-huh. you know, it's not really what he wants. And Are you the more uh, emotional of the two? Oh, I'm, I'm the fucking messed up monkey of the two, you know, absolutely <laughs> and completely. No, Kurt's the, Kurt's the fucking the driving force of the band, uh-huh. period. You know what I mean? And I think that uh, I contributed. You're a driving force of it, too. It, it, I'm a force of some sort. I don't know. Yeah. I mean, if, if I'm co-pilot, the, maybe? you know, no, you know, like I'm the uh, stewardess. <laughs> you know, so well, the stewardess is important. Absolutely, know? no, definitely. Yeah. You know, and uh, I think that it's 
I, you know, not, not like I embody, embody like what, what he's writing about in a way. Yeah. You know what I mean? But I mean, I sure as hell can get down with the stuff that he does. I mean, he started writing things that were very easy to sing, right? Because uh-huh. the, cause of the content, you know, it wasn't anything that I, like, like, that I couldn't get behind. You know, it was vague enough in a way, uh, yet interestingly like uh put together word wise yeah. in a way you know and uh and then the songs themselves are built to be able to get down on i don't know and i you know can't help but get down on it in a way that actually like i mean it's part of what we are but it kind of goes beyond like his intent in a way anymore maybe you know but if you look at old videos of us i mean kurt's getting down pretty fucking hard and he still gets down you know yeah he's still really really you know, I mean, I, he's just fucking sick these days. Yeah. Right. But he, but I can turn to Elmo and like go, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like I can turn to him and we can both kind of like, you know, shake our heads at each other and, yeah. And like, you know, have, I don't know, it's just fun for me, you know, having that on stage. So don't you think it's nice that, you know, Elmo is his son and like that, 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 that's something that's possible, that something can happen. Like you would think that there'd be a generation to be like, why would I be in my dad's band? that's kind of nice that like he's like I would love to do this and it gives me hope that uh, you know that no matter what like the older we get there's always like a people who want to play music with you and you know no way and I mean the, and the magic of it I mean Elmo has a twin sister Catherine uh-huh. and uh, they were born the day after my birthday uh-huh. right so every year we you know we share and I was like I remember that day like Cinda their mom started kind of going to labor and I was kind of like, you, you, you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Just kind of like yeah. special to have it be on my birthday, whatever, yeah. you know, but it went past midnight or something. And uh, so, and the band had been playing together like three and a half, some odd years by that point, you know, we've been at it for a while and we all live together, you know, so to have the babies born, Kurt's kids born into the, you know, into the, into it like that and to have them be such an integral part of like those years, you yeah. know, to, the, to then wind up where all these years later, yeah, almost playing with us. I mean, it just freaks me out every night in a it's way. It's great. You know? and, and that he's just such a, he's a fucking badass. Yeah. You know? He's a really, really good musician. And he's a different musician than uh, me and his dad. Mm-hmm. You know, he's a different guitar player than his dad. You know, and like, uh, we've always done covers and mm-hmm. stuff like that, you know, but it's always been like, I'm pretty sure it goes like this. And yeah, if it doesn't, yeah. it's close enough. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? Whereas Elmo will actually pick apart songs like fairly complicated like the Bee Gees where it's like uh-huh. what chord is that that's uh-huh. is that is that a that's a that's a ma- G major uh-huh. right you know but it's actually like a G diminished fifth or yeah. you know, whatever you know yeah. and he'll, he'll pick those things out so he adds this other element to to just I mean it's just there's enough of an, a contrast between him and his pops and yet there's still something genetic that's just badass because we don't practice you know uh-huh. we don't like I mean, we don't practice, you know. Uh-huh. Kurt and Shannon live out in Austin. Uh, I live in Phoenix, and Elmo lives in. Oh, I don't Tempe. know. He lives in Austin. Kurt lives in Austin, yeah, oh. and has for years. And his daughter Catherine lives out there. Uh-huh. She's been out there for quite a while, you know. And Shannon lives out there, and Shannon adds an interesting element to it as well, you know, because his dad was Doug Som of the Sir Douglas Quintet. Uh huh. You know, yeah. Who, who and the Texas tornadoes and the, of the you know and the Texas tornadoes and you know one of the guys along with like Willie Nelson that kind of you know turned Austin weird or mm-hmm. made it such a musical spot you know and had some you know pretty big hits in the '60s and was just a really really you know 
unique artist unto himself and definitely highly regarded in you know music circles and whatnot and did well. So there's another guy like we were just talking about, Dweezil, getting carried around by some young woman who had just peed on Jeff Beck's yeah, chest yeah. or whatever. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. It's like, you know, uh, and look at there, Dweezil got named Dweezil, Elmo got named Elmo, uh-huh. you know what I mean? Which is, you know, I don't know. Uh, Kurt wanted to name the babies Sweet Pea and Burger King. <laughs> and, you know, yeah. I was all for it. So. How, far did, how far did he get? He got Elmo? Uh, I guess Catherine is the other one? Elmo and Catherine, yeah. But he gave them both seven names. Mm-hmm. Right? And uh, and they're like, I don't know if it's like iambic pentameter. I mean, there, there's some Shakespearean ode in there. So it's Elmo Isaac Dillinger Dean, Samuel Sinbad Kirkwood, and then... Catherine Louisa, St. Elmo, Amelia, Violet, Presley, Kirkwood. You know? That's great. So. <laughs> Is it say that on the on the uh, birth certificate? Yeah. yeah. Wow. yeah How many names, names can you put on a birth certificate? I, I wonder, you know. I mean, you know, <laughs> I mean, you know. That's a good question. Uh, we could Google that. Um, we you know, see. in Iceland, they uh, you can't just willy-nilly add oh, do whatever right. name so you want. Oh, there's only so many names. Yeah, there's a, there's a list of names. You really? Could, and yeah. somebody just lost their Icelandic citizenship over that. Wow. It was like it was an Icelandic woman and an English man, and he insisted, "I'm going to give my son this other name," and I I think they like lost their funding, you know, because you get yeah, it was interesting. Yeah. Um, but I don't know. In that you know, in that those guys live out there and we live out here, we don't actually practice, right? We don't yeah. get together. We've done it. Where's your drummer from? Out there, uh-huh. Phoenix. You know? No, he lives in Austin. He lives in. He's from San Antonio originally. Uh, so you're the only Phoenixer still. Still left, yeah. And Elmo lives in Tempe, which is like a suburb, of, you know, part of Phoenix, uh-huh. basically. You know, so uh, but the band totally started in Phoenix. We actually started. Kurt and I grew up. I have a shirt on today. The uh-huh. shirt is the S for people who can't see it through the radio or whatever this is. Yeah, I'm wearing a shirt that has a mountain on it with a big ass on it, and this is Sunny Slope Mountain. You know, we, we, it's like a northern, like a north part of Phoenix, and there's a big mountain where the high school goes up and paints a big ass s on it. You know? So that's a yellow for everyone listening. That's a yellow shirt he's wearing, just the, a t-shirt, some blue jeans, and then this black and white picture of a mountain, and it has a big s on it, and it's for Sunny Slope. So that's where we grew up, and and Derek. Uh, Bostrom, you know, our original drummer, who was so integral to the formation of the band, absolutely, mm-hmm. uh, went to, I think, Chaparral. He, he grew up kind of like in a, a slightly tonier part of town, you know, slightly, you know, kind of. Uh, um, of Phoenix. Of Phoenix, mm-hmm. yeah. What's and, your relationship with him now? Uh, you know, I haven't talked to him in years and years and years. Years, you know. He yeah. did contact our Facebook page, and I should did contact he? him. Wow. I can't remember the last time I talked to Derek. I talked yeah. to his cousin a lot. But. I mean, I haven't talked to him literally in a very long time, you know. And uh, His and cousin's it, the one who told me that one of the things that happened with you. It's like called me up and said, you got to find out what's going on with Chris. So, mm-hmm. yeah. Because at a point, you know, I stopped being as healthy as I needed to be to carry on. This is years ago, you know. Mm-hmm. And, and at that point, I think what made Derek so integral to, like, the formation of the band, just who he is, right, is what actually kind of drove him away from the entertainment business, right? Uh-huh. Because suddenly it kind of gotten to that point with us, you know, where it gone away from being so much of a, like, just like art project, you know, uh-huh. to where we were dealing with, like, real real business people. I mean, the, the, the folks at SSG were definitely, you know, fairly real business people in a way, but not at all like a major label, you know, suddenly we're on a major label, expectations were higher, uh-huh. then suddenly we actually 
kind of did well for a second, you know, just <laughs> yeah. a little bit. Yeah. And then, then you're like, you know, I mean, you have to experience this a lot where your time is put upon in a different way, yeah. you know? And Derek didn't, I don't think he really want, was digging it at that point. So he took the opportunity to, to stop doing it when I, you know, wasn't quite healthy enough to keep things going. And is he, uh, and you don't have to talk about him if you don't want, but does he still play music? No. Oh, he stopped. No. Okay, I, I, Derek, he works for Whole Foods uh-huh. uh, as his job, but he does have, a, he has a radio show that can be heard on oh, a nice. odd Mount Washington, um, there's some Mount Washington station that is also on the internet, and he has a show. Uh, plays like really odd 60s and 50s novelty tunes, I think, for the most part. Uh, and he does put out some like weird little like novelty tunes type things. But he totally like... But he doesn't... But he's he doesn't, not a drummer in a band. He's not no, a drummer in a band, no. 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 He doesn't you know. do that anymore. And I mean, that's one of the reasons that he was able to be our drummer in the first place, kind of, is because uh, coming out of the 70s, you know, like drummers there was like, like drumming had gotten to a place a lot of it had you know people like bill bruford you know yeah, yeah. guys that could really billy cobham you know yeah. what I mean? and th- th- those are certain dudes right yeah you know, it's like okay they can actually play like that but guys in a garage trying to play like that you know what i mean it's kind of like you know just that's not it wasn't derek's thing you know he flat out said you know i'm going to set out to be the world's worst drummer uh-huh. you know and when we met him, he had a kick drum with a fucking cymbal screwed into the uh-huh. top, a really ratty hi-hat, and a snare, and he taught himself to play. Is it open? Open? Is yeah, yeah, that? yeah. Right? Where you don't cross, right. cross your hands over? So he's doing the hi-hat with his left hand. And, uh, and but yet, you know, so he was doing it, like, conceptually. He was doing it as something, you know, like, like Derek's the kind of guy that told his mom, like, in fourth grade that he would no longer be participating in P.E., you uh-huh. know? Just a really interesting, bright dude, uh, very aware of himself, you know, and just an interesting guy. And he was into some different kinds of stuff that Kurt and I weren't that aware of. And Kurt and he met, uh, we met through a mutual friend, and those guys started playing some. And then at a point, you know, they thought, you know, see if Chris wants to play some, you know? And... uh and that's you know, and when the three of us play together, you know, and we gotta gotta you know just caveat that I mean this is like pot and LSD, you know what I mean? Uh-huh. There's just like other things afoot slightly, yeah, you know, and youthfulness. But goddamn, when the three of us play together, for real, it just was this certain ass kicker, you yeah. know, and uh, and you know, and it was because it was Derek specifically you yeah know? he's a great great drummer you know i mean it's just a perfect meter yeah know? i remember one time we we're in the studio and like dude's like checking the maybe we we're mastering maybe it was mastering so the guy's like going through and he's you know actually looking at a meter seeing the the uh spikes on the drum kit coming up right and he's like is this a drum machine and it's like that's nah, fucking derek you know because it was just so perfect and yet there wasn't a lot of you know there wasn't a lot of like psst, 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 you know what yeah, I mean? yeah yeah hardly used his left foot yeah. at all, you know, on the hi-hat. Yeah. Other than open it a little bit or to close it a little bit more. Yeah. You know? Um, but, God damn it, you know. Something about his attack is just right. Just right, and conceptually, yeah. you know, and, and and he could hang with, you know, I mean, not only hang with, but, I mean, you know, was easily our, I don't know, he was just a, a head, you know? Yeah. He was a fucking head, and, and 
a real, you know, neat dude, you know, that just yeah. allowed, because I mean, it wasn't like my dream to be in a rock band in a way, mm -hmm. you know? It was way, way more organic. I really liked playing, you know, but this was way more like, you know, I was suddenly discovering myself, you know, and like my getting to the slightly older self, you know, stopping, you know, getting out of school kind of yeah. crap, you know, and, and it's my brother, so it's kind of like this slightly safety zone kind of a thing for me a little bit, although Kurt and I weren't that close in a way, and yet I was getting to the point where I could kind of be a little bit closer to him, so. Who's the older of the two? He is, uh -huh. yeah, he's like 22 months older than me. Is it just the two of you? Um, we had, we grew up with a, a half-sister, uh -huh. Amy, uh, mom and our, our, our folks split up. We're from like the Midwest, they're from the Midwest, they're from Omaha, mom uh -huh. and dad were. Right? And uh, I think mom and dad met at uh, the U of N, Mm -hmm. You know, and I think maybe Kurt was like a an accident or something that uh -huh. led to them getting married. You know, and then I was definitely like you know potentially the postman son or something. Mm -hmm. you know? And when I was born, I was a toe-headed little thing and I had a big lump on my noodle. Right? Uh -huh. So suddenly, and Kurt was a beautiful baby, right? Kurt yeah. was a very very handsome little baby, and suddenly they get this fucking little you know you know David Lynchy and fucking you know you look identical head. in the eighties, by the way, like pictures of you. Oh yeah, there's like, some pictures where you're yeah, like, who's, I mean, you look, you're, who's you're, who? There's no, but there's birth, no doubt though, that you're brothers. Shortly after, you know, I was a funny looking little kid. So anyways, yeah. dad was driven away by, by Eraserhead baby, uh -huh. or whatever, you know what I mean? They split up. And then uh, uh, dad's mom had to, uh, subsequently had a daughter, Amy, the curtain I grew up with. And then dad started another family. So I have, we have three half sisters, you know, um, who... Oh. Who were, you know, but we didn't, I, one, we grew up, and we're not that close with her, and, you mm -hmm. know, and, and still occasionally see dad's daughters, you know, but both our folks are gone, uh -huh. you know, and have been for quite a while, you know, so it's just us, in a way. So. Yeah. We're going to take a quick break here. Hi there, this is Bill. I'm the producer of the Chris Kirkwood Podcast, and today's episode of the Chris Kirkwood Podcast is brought to you by Kelly Jorn Cook DDS. Cosmetic and dental restoration dentist Kelly Cook provides routine dental care, advanced cosmetic, and complete restoration dentistry in the Phoenix and Chandler area. He's also one of Phoenix's nicest people, one of the nicest people on the planet, in fact. So if you have any dental needs and you're in the greater Phoenix area, go see Dr. Kelly Cook, the doc that rocks. All right, well, enough about us. <laughs> you know, I mean, you know, it's, it's, it's a little bit trippy. I think one of the reasons that I could do the talk show at all, obviously, is because of having been in the band, you know? Yeah, yeah. And and it's moving. I mean, it's touching to see the folks that are willing to do it, you know, yeah. and to see that, you know, the reach that we had. You know, like, I love the idea of you as a kid out in Long Island, you know? Yeah. Because we were, it was so insular. It's like, we're doing this work, and it was always neat for me, where it'd be like, look, we got a record done, uh -huh. you know what I mean? And you'd hold it, and it'd have, like, the art that you wanted on it, and look, there's my name, you know, and then the yeah. the whole thing. But but then they actually got out to some degree, you know? Yeah, it, it's hard for you to see it, because you're in it, mm -hmm. but you need to know that you were and are a big band, you know, to have any, there are a billion bands out there to have that much of an impact. You really are part of a scene, and also the fact that you had that hit. Those are two huge things that go together perfectly well. You couldn't ask for anything more. It's, like, it's a really like, it's it's not an underground secret. It's not like you know, it's a 
it's a big deal. Yeah, and, and then and then the Nirvana thing I mean, plugged into it so well. That's another whole level that's forever. And, and that thing. and that dovetailed into it like so perfectly in a way, in a weird way, where suddenly you know, people that dressed more like we did or whatever, you know what I mean? Uh -huh. and, and that cited us and like all of some of the bands that I grew up with is you know the whole SST thing and, and however you know, uh, you know suddenly getting big like that and then taking us on TV with them. Yeah, I mean it's been it's allowed us to occupy an interesting place yeah a fairly interesting place artistically definitely yeah. you know and then and you I'm, get to go on the road and you still play and yeah and now i got my little talk show yeah you know and i get to meet people that you know yeah who i haven't met before and get to have them come in and talk with us like yeah. our like today's guest fred armison fred armison <laughs> <laughs> Woo! damn fred so <laughs> let's talk about you now okay so there you are you're a kid you're playing music uh-huh and at a point what, you moved to Chicago to yeah. play with French Mouth? Yeah. Is that right? Yeah. Okay, so how are you, like, 21, 22? 22, 22 or something, and then them, a couple other little bands here and there, mm -hmm. um, but just basically just playing drums, touring. And you're a hell of a drummer. That's very kind of you to say. Uh, you're a hell of a drummer. That, that what's, what, what's the name of the drummer? The Dave Barbarossa from... No, your videotape that you make. Oh, but Jens Hanneman. Yeah, I did a DVD <laughs> recently, or I did it in 2007 of um, a, a fake drum instruction DVD. Right. Because I, I was just so obsessed with those DVDs. There's so many of these guys who show you how to play the drums, but they're not really part of any scene. They're just part of the drumming scene. Right. And then nothing against them. It's perfectly fine, but it's music by drummers for drummers. Very math-y. And then the whole DVD is a close-up of the foot, close-up of the hand. <laughs> it's you know, really funny It's a solo, piece. and then here's what I did. Here's the beat that I did. And now here's part two. And it's, it's really uh, it's, its own world, and I thought I would make a fake one where it looks real, but all the information is completely wrong. Right. It's, it's all lies, you okay. know. And uh, Drag City Records put it out, and, um, yeah, that's, that's what that was. So in that, I mean, I've seen that, and, I mean, I can see how – those videos would lend themselves to humor, right? You know what I mean? Or a humorous interpretation. Right? Yeah. Like practically anything can. Right? Yeah. Can it? I mean, can practically anything be funny if you I would see it with, it the, right with the right comedian and sure. You know? But it shows, I, I mean, in that I reali I saw that, I mean, it's just as far as like technical drum playing. I mean, you, you can really play. Well, thanks. I mean, and if you want to have a side project, we can get down on it. I love it. So I'll just throw that out there. I love it. Okay, so there you're, you're playing <laughs> some stuff and then like, how do, how do you go about, I mean, you were on Saturday Night Live. You're like yeah. one of the longest people on there, Yeah. you know, like years. Yeah. And how do you, how does it, how do you get to, how did, how did that go about? I mean, it's how do you, all, it's all <clears throat> like a, a, it's some accidents. It's some, um, I think, uh, partial failure kind of got me there. Mm -hmm. um, but I think when I was in a band, I just wanted more than anything to be, I think more it was more about being famous, mm -hmm. being like say Keith Moon or something than mm -hmm. anything else. Which is, uh, I don't know if that's a good thing. I think you should people should really think about the music more. I was more like I just want to get out there and I want to be on TV and um, uh, I wanted to be kind of like David Byrne or something. You know what I mean? Like right. I just wanted to keep making things. And then our band didn't didn't quite do it. We didn't get to that level. All these other bands kind of passed us by right. over and over. We were in that van, and in the 90s, it was just like we were just got lost in that mix. And then somehow, I don't even know why, I went to the South by Southwest 
uh, festival. Uh-huh. And uh, with uh, my wife at the time, uh, I went in and just started interrupting um, panels, discussions, and interviewing bands <laughs> as different characters. And uh, something happened with that videotape where all of a sudden it got all the attention that I ever wanted when I was in a band. Mm-hmm. It was just me, it was me doing comedy. And from that moment, that videotape, a friend of mine edited it together. And that was me doing characters. And within, that was 1998, 1999. Within a year, I was just doing comedy full time where I got asked to do another thing and then something else. Wow. And then very, very quickly, it became evident to me that that's what I would, it would best, I would best serve myself time-wise to do. So, so I felt like it was the failure of the band. I, I think I might have had a chip on my shoulder. I, couldn't even, I could barely listen to music. I, I could barely listen to other bands, you know, like uh, Pavement and all these bands and Guided by Voices. I didn't, I didn't have the opportunity to enjoy it. I do now. Right. But I was so competitive and like, uh, my band, you know, like that. I don't think you, you guys had to go through it, but this sense of entitlement, like, my band's going to make it. And then uh, from that failure came this want to do comedy, and then all of a sudden I was doing it. Because I, you know, I, th- I think the first time I became aware of you, mm-hmm. and tell me if this is, if, like you were doing, maybe it was in, a su- in the subway or something where you were just going up to people, kind of a thing, is that right? Yeah, in Chicago I did some stuff on the subway. Stuff like that, where, and it, se- it seemed, it, was, it kind of reminded me of like Andy Kaufman kind of stuff, you know, where it was like... Um, kind of confusing to the people involved yeah you know what i mean and yet very funny you know and yeah. i think that's like when i first became aware of you so so then you i mean and do you like andy kaufman i love andy kaufman i i love him I, i've always loved him and did you i mean did you grow up loving like having oh know, yes comedy was a thing yes because he was interesting when i think of my friends who love the meat puppets my friends you know mike and dennis and rick like I actually remember also that we also loved Andy Kaufman because he used to show up on this show Fridays and he was really funny on there. Oh, and he got banned. He got banned, but he was, he was really on good several on the, times. He was on, yeah. yeah, he was on a bunch of stuff, and we always just loved and him. And he was always great on Letterman. On Letterman, he if was great. If I knew great. he was going to be on Letterman, I had this like yeah, yeah. It was this. It was the same for us. We we loved him. So yes, uh, a huge grew up with comedy. Yeah, because I mean, definitely with the band, like our thing. We had a comedy element as well, you know. And I don't know if it was. I mean, we were into comedians, yeah. Know, and uh, and then we would like amused ourselves. I mean, it's yeah. always been about amusing ourselves, you know. And we did a lot through like drawing and stuff. Like uh, I can I can I can actually here's a joke I actually wrote. This is we used to do pot comics, right? We like uh-huh. to smoke pot a lot, you know. Uh-huh. We sit around and draw these things to amuse ourselves. So I came up with one one time. So imagine now that I'm a pot smoker. This is my this is a pipe, and uh-huh. I'm going to take a hit out of it, and then I'm going to clear the pipe out into the into the ashtray. Okay, uh-huh. so it's like. Uh-huh. Come in. <laughs> See, <laughs> funny. You know, so, <laughs> so uh, you know, but I mean, it had to take some. Did it? That's pretty fucking far out, you know, to, to change yeah. it around like that, you know, to to get to the point. So you're coming up with characters. I mean, at the South by thing, right? Yeah. And then it is it, and there's a confrontational element. It's like, were you breaking rules by going in um, and breaking into these things? A little bit, yes. Uh, you know, the more I've thought about it, um, the more it all makes sense to me. Mm-hmm. So what I mean to say is that all the characters that I did, 
I did like a German character, all came from being on tour. So all of the things that went wrong with my band contributed greatly to get being able to be on television. So the German guy, you, I know you've been through this. I don't even have to ask. But like we used to go, we went to Europe, mm-hmm. and then uh, for some reason Germans are very, um, they really are insulting. And I love Germany. Nothing against Germans. I'm part German. I love them. But they they do a thing where they insult you to your face. Like, your group is not so good, yes? <laughs> yeah, right? <laughs> Fugazi was here. Uh, they had many more people many than more you. Many more people than you. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And you're like, why are you telling me this? This <laughs> is not like, Thanks a lot. It? Hi, so totally. it, all of that came from that. So right. all of the... Also doing bits in the van with my band. So sure. all these things really contributed to that. And And also about South by Southwest... It was against the rules for me to go and interrupt panels and stuff. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, South by Southwest, you go there to have your band succeed. It actually contributed to my getting on television. So South by Southwest did its job in right. moving you know, my career, as it were. Along. And it wasn't quite as blown out in a way back then. No, no, you know? not at all. Like I remember when it first started. You know, and uh, I mean, Austin has changed so much, and South by Southwest has had a lot to do with that, you know, yeah. I think. And just, you know, they've managed to be open to those kind of things happening in, in, the, in town, you know, yeah. that and uh, the AC, you know, the Austin City Limits Festival, all that kind of stuff, you know. So, uh, and it certainly has grown a whole heck of a lot. So, slightly different kind of a thing. And I mean, it's interesting to hear that, this, you know, because like, you know, you, you, you muse each other, you know, drive yes. around and exactly that kind of stuff, you know. I remember, like, the first time we met, finally got over to Europe, and uh, it's like mid-'80s, right? And we, uh, back then, before the EU, you know, you have to get, like, a tour manager. Yeah. And, like, you even get, like, in each country, you'd get, like, somebody from the yeah. company coming in. it. So we had a British tour manager, uh, Zop. Which is, you know, <laughs> and it's like, here, here you go. Here's me going to do it a bit. Yeah. It's like, why, what, what's Zop? Why is it Zop? And he said... It's been my nickname since I was but a lad. You uh-huh. know? So it's like, yeah. but a lad. You know, yeah, and it's yeah, like, yeah. oh, that's fucking charming. Yeah. You know? yeah. So, we do not talk that way. You know, we do <laughs> not, we have never would we put those words together. You know, just, way. and it's so, uh, then we get to Germany, and it's this guy, Michael, and you still see him around, right? But suddenly you have the two guys going at it, you know, and it's just, and it's just comedic shit that I fucking still remember, yeah. you know, where they'd be like, you know, Fuck you, you British asshole! Yeah, and then yeah. Go like, hey, Nazi bastard! You yeah. know what I mean? And they'd be going yeah. at it in a way. So there's that humorous element was like, and even all the way down to like, you know, just funny talks and stuff like that. You know, just silly voices. Uh, and then something I noticed like after shows, occasionally, and you know, uh, I would wind up you know chatting with people. Yeah. And then I, at a point, it, we'd get their funny bone, right? Yeah. You just get it to where I knew. The, the next thing I said was going to make him laugh, right? Yeah. And I'd get a story rolling, and then yeah. I could just tell it's gonna, this is going to work, right? And I think part, partially it was like a defense mechanism in a way, you know, to just kind of, you know, interact with people. But it was also just interesting. That, or that, it could that, be a that, shortcut. You know, it's a shortcut know? to getting to talk to them a little bit more. And, to get, and just, to, you know, like to having the situation go down smooth. And then I got a kick out of it, too. But actually taking it to, like, doing bits and stuff, you know, I, yeah. I wondered about that. How, how do you, you know... It's like go from that, you know, being, you know, I'm, I think, I'm, you know, I, I have a muse, a muse, uh, an amusing outlook to like having an actual comedy show, you know, so. I think it's, it's like, it's like working out in the gym. Like you're, 
you were with this audience of your band for so long. You just start doing impressions. You know what works. You know what doesn't. All of a sudden, it's just you're just doing it all the time. You know, and uh, it gives you confidence too. Like yeah. the fact that my band members laughed at. The, and by the way, they were very funny as as well, is what contributed. But talking about Europe, I want to bring up one more story. <laughs> uh, and we use this more for SNL. There was a tour manager for this other band, for not for the X, for the Dogface Hermans, and he was Dutch, mm-hmm. and his name was Gretchen. Gretchen. <laughs> right. So he's like, he goes, and this is, I was so frustrated by this. He goes, my name is Gretchen. I'm like, okay, Gretchen. And I feel like I'm pretty good at pronouncing names. I, I, I know the, what foreign languages sound like. And he's like, no, you're pronouncing it wrong. It's Gretchen. I'm like, I know I'm saying Gretchen. I know I'm saying it right. He's like, no, you're not. And we did a sketch later on SNL about someone who says that you're pronouncing something wrong, but you're totally pronouncing it right. right. Um, but that drove me up the wall. I was like, you're just trying to be difficult with me. You're just not open to thinking maybe this guy's pronouncing my name right. And to this day, I know I pronounced that right. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you're kind of saying it two different ways there. Gretchen. 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 Oh, you're not saying it right. Damn it. Gretchen. <laughs> you're <still> <laughs> <laughs> he made people call him Gert. He was like, "Okay, everyone. Okay, from, it's good. Uh, everyone from America called me Gert." <laughs> okay, fine. Yeah, sure. That's, that's, Yurt. Kind of, that's kind of a weird insult in a way. Like you're not capable of. They love it. They right. love it, and I, I love going to Europe. But they really do love the. No, you're not getting it right. It's, it's, there's there's some weird elements to it. At one point, Kirk came up with the the tiny town Dungeoneers. Yeah. You know what I mean? Oh, like, <laughs> the, like there's that. You know, oh, you're stupid American. That's yes. the thing. You know what I mean? Yeah. Where you're like, stupid fucking American. I mean, you know, that's fine. But, I, you know. You know what's weird? I don't like, I'll say it about my own country. I do not, I will, you know, I am not a patriot in any sense of the word. But, like, I don't like people from other countries doing it. Because I feel like they have no sense of humor. They don't get how the world works. When they're like, your country is so bad and so terrible. I always think, like, you just don't understand the world. Yeah. And, and it's not your place to say. And and I don't mind people saying whatever the fuck they want to say. You know what totally. I mean? Totally, I don't mind. It's I'm just not, like, but it's just know, like, but it's what, also like, what's yeah, well, your fuck point? you too, though. Definitely, yeah, you know exactly. I mean? it's just like, well, too bad. Well, it's, you know? it's a little bit like when you have like the brother or the friend that like you're like complaining about all the time, but somebody else goes like, yeah, he's an asshole. What? Yeah, you, you can't do that. Or about your family? Like, yeah, you, he's you, like, you can't talk about my family. No, I'll do it. Right. You know. So let's talk a little bit about. I mean, Saturday Night Live is a fucking. Pillar, and then I mean, it's just fucking. It's monumental. the, it's the, it's fucking amazing. It's the New York Yankees. It's the, it's the Mount Everest. It's the, it's the final thing. You know, and I mean, I remember when it first started. Yeah. You know, uh, like the f- first fucking year it came out. You know, and it was yeah. just like, wow, geez. You know, I was uh, in my mid-teens, and it was just such an ass kicker of a thing to have come on, and it just coincided right with like the way things have been going in my life. You know, and it's and to getting around to like late night alone with yourself kind of uh-huh. stuff, you know what I mean? And suddenly there's this thing that's that's kind of dangerous, kind of sexy, you know? Yeah. And then balls out funny, right? Which yeah. is like fucking funniest crap. And it was coincided with my like discovering like, you know, drugs and shit, uh-huh. you know, and booze and just all sorts of things. And and then for it to have carried on for as long as it has, it's incredible. I mean, I think just give Saturday Night Live, it's hard to fucking say, you know? It's, yeah. it's hard to say Saturday yeah. Night Live. You could say Slightly. SNL. SNL. There SNL. You go. Yeah. And uh, you know, so I, I mean, it just I I just think that show's great, you know. And the that's all of, Lor- that's Lorne Michaels. And that dude, I mean, that we could talk about him. That's yeah. just you know, how does somebody become that 
much of a hard ass and make shit like go down that much. Like the amount of music that I saw in the thing, you know, and, and the amount of people that have come out of there, you know, yeah. I mean, talk about like I get told that I'm influential. Like it's like, well, that's nice, you know, but I mean, Jesus, God, that guy's actually like just made so many artists, you know, just yeah. birth so much. So I'm trying to think of what the equivalent would be in the music world because he's very visual. But I'm trying to think what what person I could sort of, you know, there is like an Ian McKinnis to him. Like Ian? Yeah, a little bit. I I wouldn't say Like uh, he likes he likes to shave his head and, and <laughs> No, but just to sort of like I have a I have a I have a vision. Right. I have I would like things to be this way. Okay. There's a a little bit of that right. element of like I have an idea and this is what the idea looks like. So he you know uh, Lauren just spots talent. I mean, you know, we take for granted now that John Belushi and Gilda Radner and all those people were a group, but like, it's that's an incredible eye. Oh, yeah. Like, those are the ones yeah. who's gonna be who are gonna be the cast of this show, and just on and on and on, on and on, on and, and, and on, non you know? stop. And Do then Chris Farley, and it's like amazing stuff. If you did one of those people, Eddie Murphy, you know what I mean? It's just, it's just Chris Rock, like a, on and on and on. Yeah. you know, and it continues still yeah. now. Yeah. Look at you know, look at like. Uh, you know Jimmy Fallon. I mean, all the you know the guys who's who's running late night now and yeah. all this, this this talent that's come out of there. So that must have been a blast, right? Was it fun to get on that? I was. It was a blast. I I, you know, SNL also was like my intro to a lot of music. Mm -hmm. Devo, Talking Heads. You saw Devo that first night. Uh, I it was a rerun for me. Okay. But uh, Devo, yeah. um, Talking Heads. I remember the specials. Mm -hmm. Oh fuck. So yeah. all these bands that like were B huge influence. B fifty twos off of. So After that show, in some ways, yeah. So um, I love talking to Lauren about it and asking him about like those bands that were on, and uh, it's and Andy Kaufman. Yeah, totally. Same oh God, thing. I remember he when put I saw him on. Kaufman. So like, uh, it, it's that There's whole like experience. Steve Martin. First time I saw Steve Martin, I was on Saturday Night yeah. SNL. Yeah. You know, it's like, uh, and he also like he isn't like. Uh, he, I think he just wanted it to be an entertaining show, mm. but I don't think he knew that it was going to have the legacy that it did. And that's the end of part one of our conversation with Fred Armisen. Today's show was recorded at Winslow Court Studios in Hollywood, California. Mm.